Wonderful. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I'm sure most of us got an email this week talking about the situation that I'm in with work, and I just want to thank everyone for their thoughts and prayers and continuing to trust God and what He has for us. Um, we do, I do covet input and, uh, and wisdom, discernment, and just going forward into the season we're in. But uh, thank you to everyone. I feel loved. Isn't that nice? I feel a hug. Yes, amen. Awesome. Great. Well, let's get into it. Um, last week, I, I spoke on mindset, and I will probably periodically address that. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go listen to that. But we're going to get into the book of James today. And uh, it's, it was, it's, it's a, a punchy book. And I think, I think our tagline is, just do it. You know? You ever get your kids and you guys... Uh, Liberty, Joe's, go clean your room. You're up there complaining, coming down. Just, just do it. Come down. Nothing's changed. Just do it. But, 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 just do it. And uh, so this is a this is an interesting letter, and I, I think it, it's helpful for us to get into a bit of context of the letter, who wrote it, when it was written, and the people it's being written to will help us understand better why this guy is a bit like a Mike Tyson in his preaching. Like, there's not a lot. It's just like, you, you walk in, it's an overhand right. There's no settling out, you know, distance. For you who don't watch any of that, forgive me. Um, but I just want to jump into it here and, and just, just start to investigate it. Because it's a fascinating letter. It's very unique in it. It's, it's probably one of the last canonized letters of the New Testament. There was a lot of uh, argument over it, if you know the history of it. But let's just open in prayer and let's get into it. Thank you, Lord. We just honor you. We thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for your commitment to us. We thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And we thank you that you have sent the comforter. So we just yield to you. We just open our ears. We open our hearts to you. We ask that you would speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. So this letter is written about 4550 AD. And oddly enough, it's written by a guy named James. That's not a joke. I guess the truth. But there are multiple James in the New Testament. But the one that consensus comes upon is actually James, the, the half-brother of Jesus. And he, I'm just going to give you a bit of understanding of James before Jesus' death and resurrection and a bit more after his death and resurrection to give context to this man, James, because he is a very unique character. So we see here by this, it's, this is a, a scripture. Is this not the carpenter's son, speaking of Jesus? Is his mother not called Mary? And his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. So James here is the eldest, or the second, you could say, in the line of in Mary. So Joseph's firstborn, as it were. So his brothers said to him, move on here and go into Judea, so that your disciples... Also may see your works in which you are doing. They're speaking to Jesus. For no, for no one does anything in secret, and he himself is striving to be known publicly. If you are doing these things, show yourself to the world, for not even his brothers believed in him. So you see, the relationship with James and Jesus was that of distance. At this time, he does not believe in him. In fact, there's another time where he and his mother, Mary, come, and they actually believe he's lost his senses, his mind. 
So it's an interesting relationship, but I think it's important to understand it. It's a bit like Paul. Why was Paul so zealous? Because he persecuted the church. I think there's something in James that is very clear and in line here because of potentially the way he may have seen Jesus. After the resurrection, you'll see that this is, this is Paul speaking of Jesus after the resurrection. The resurrection, as you can imagine and as you know, is a critical component to the gospel. And he's appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the twelve, that he, and, and that he, after he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remained until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. It was significant for Jesus after the resurrection to appear to James. And we're going to see why it's significant that this guy James has a real, he's a, he's a real key in the building of the New Testament church. Paul tells us that James here is a pillar of the Jerusalem church, which, where it all started. He was almost a cornerstone in the sense of he was one of the key guys to have influence in this church. James also was, could be potentially the key guy. There was a dispute in Acts chapter uh, 15 and into, 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 uh, even into 16 where they had to discuss what the Gentiles should do. Remember that when Jesus was moving, it was in Jerusalem. It was to the Jews. But it was meant to go to all the world. And so there was disputes on how the Gentiles should act. And we see here that uh, he gets up and everyone's spoken. Peter's there. I mean, he's a big hitter, right, Peter? And he got Paul's there. But they all give way to James. James gets up and speaks, which is really interesting. It's very significant. He was a very strong figure. It was said that... uh, that he would, his, his knees were like camel's knees because he prayed so much. He was on his knees so much. Apparently, the Pharisees even respected him at the time. He was well-respected. He was called James the Just. He was a very intimidating man. Why do you say that? Well, this is an interesting part to me in Galatians, in passing. Do you remember when Peter stopped eating with the Gentiles and started migrating back to the Jews for prior to the coming of some men from James. Peter used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he began to withdraw and separate himself, fearing those from the circumcision, fearing the Jews. So not only James was a pretty intimidating guy, and he would have, even the men that went from James would cause a certain amount of intimidation. And so Peter felt that. This man was not a man to be messed with. Now, James did eventually get murdered in 62 AD. In fact, Josephus speaks more about James than even Jesus. There's actually a fair bit of information about James because of the impact that he had in Jerusalem. But he was murdered in 62 AD. Now, who is the letter written to? The letter, this letter we're about to look at is written to 12 tribes who were dispersed abroad. Now, this is the 12 tribes is a reference to the nation of Israel, to Jews. Those who are dispersed. Those who are no longer living in the region of Israel or Jerusalem. They've gone somewhere else. Why did they go somewhere else? Well, in Acts chapter 8, there's a scene where Stephen 
is executed. And this is where it starts. Now Saul approved of putting Stephen to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. So they're all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. So just to kind of explode it out, we get this again reiterated in Acts chapter 11. So for those who are scattered because of the persecution occurred in connection with Stephen, and you see they made their way out. You will see most of the New Testament is addressed to people who are being persecuted for their faith. And I'm not talking about the guy fingering you because you've got a fish on your back of your car. You know what I mean? Because you cut him off or what have you. I'm talking about this real persecution. And this is, the Romans are going to get involved too, but this is persecution from the Jews and the, and the Romans that these guys were living in very perilous times. Paul addresses it in Romans. Peter addresses it. James addresses it. So the, 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 the subject matter on this is, is, is very distinctly Jewish in its nature. You will find James is a lot like Proverbs, the way it's punchy. You're like, whoa, whoa, he's got me on one theme and I'm just changing again. It's a bit like Proverbs that way. And you'll see that predominantly it's, it's actually a lot like the Sermon on the Mount, which is his half-brother, Jesus. In fact, James has a lot in association with the, the Sermon on the Mount. And if you go to Luke, Luke 5 as well, it actually helps you to listen to both. And I do encourage you. I'm a person that listens to Scripture a lot. Like when I'm going for a run, I listen to James. It's about 15 minutes. Or listen to, because you start to get a rhythm. Because sometimes you think you know how Jesus would speak. And if I were to read to you the Sermon on the Mount and not tell you it's Jesus, you go, I don't, who would say that? It sounds very uh, judgmental. But he's very direct. Stop doing this, start doing this. And you'll see that same cadence in James, alongside Jesus, and in the Sermon on the Mount. Essentially, there's, there's sort of six reoccurring themes in this book. And he'll talk about, say, faith in, in the first chapter, and faith in the third chapter. And faith. So that this is what essentially he's getting at in this wonderful stew. <laughs> Patience and trials, wisdom. Faith, riches and poverty, the tongue, and obedience. So that's the context. Let's get into it. You kind of get the flavor of this guy as he starts out this letter. <laughs> James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad. Often the other disciples or apostles will present themselves in their apostleship. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Even though he was an apostle, as Paul tells us in Galatians 1. He's essentially a slave, he says. I've, I've renounced my rights and my privileges, and I'm completely devoted to Jesus Christ. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. Okay. Trials. What's the Greek in that? There must be a better interpretation here. What's the original? Testings, provings, trials. Hmm. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm holding here. Knowing that the testing of your faith 
produces endurance. Okay? So various trials test your faith, produces endurance. What's endurance? Steadfastness, consistency, stability. Let's put it on pause for a second. How would you define your faith? You know, the church, you can go to many church websites and they'll have a statement of faith. It's actually not a statement of faith. It's a statement of doctrine. The statement of faith is your life. And this is what James is going to get into. This is your statement of doctrine, not your statement of faith. It's a statement of what you believe. But your statement of faith is the organic nature with which you live out that doctrine. Critical component to it. But that's what Paul's going to get at. Would you, cons- would you define your faith as stable, consistent, steadfast, anchor? He gives you some insight into what we're going to get into. And when endurance, in other words, steadfastness, consistency, stability, has its perfect result so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Anyone here lacking in nothing? It's weird to try and make yourself read the Bible, not as a religious text, but a literal input into your life. Where you engage with it for you, not someone else, not the world you live in, but you. Am I lacking in nothing, Lord? See, Paul, Paul also expresses the same sentiment, almost verbatim. He goes a bit further here. Romans 5. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations. What's wrong with this guy? Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Wow. So Paul is alongside this guy in agreement with James that when you are in a trial, you're like, yes! Woo! Hey, Nick, such and such has gone sideways. Praise the Lord. What mindset is that? Remember we talked last week about it. The mindset that would see something like that completely different from the natural. Why is this? What is it that, that, that Paul and James are seeing that I am not able to see? What is this? Either it's a picture of Jesus or it's, it's something of the kingdom that is, is opaque to me. I cannot see it. Well, how do you know, Nick? I look at your life, Nick. Oh. Oh, the doctrine's all there. Don't worry. But now to live the life. I think we get a bit of insight from Peter because Peter's going to join in the chorus because he's talking to people that are being persecuted too. In this you greatly rejoice. Oh, great. Here we go. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. He gives us a bit of insight here though. So the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which perishes through though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Okay, so he's given us a bit of why, what trials can serve in your life. The purpose of trials. The usefulness of trials. Have you ever noticed that 
Anyone of any great faith has gone through stuff? <laughs> you know, buddy that lives in the mansions, never had to carry about anything in this world. There, 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 there's a shallowness to the faith. But those that have walked through stuff and come through the other side, there's something about them that's different. I, mean, you know, I had Paul preach, and I've said this many times, all these lashes, he's being whipped and beaten. His nose is probably like this, getting up to share, you know. Hey, guys, he's like, whoa, what happened to this dude? And yet he has a man of great faith. Isn't it funny that me, I, I run from trials. I have no interest. Hey, Nick, this one's full of trials, this past. This one's just full of blessing, brother. You're just not going to have a need for anything. I want for nothing. Well, which one are you choosing? Well, it depends how you see it. It depends where the value is. It depends what you think the worth is. Hmm. Gold. You know when gold is first mined on, on the left? I come from the Yukon. I was born there. I've seen many a nugget. That is a gold nugget. It's about 80% pure gold. Did you know that? Looks like gold to me. Got to be refined to find out what's in it, though. It's carefully refined by fire to become more pure. We're on, the, on the, uh, this side. My left, your right, your left. That's 99.9% pure. But it can't get from the original state to the other state except through fire. Oh, Nick, I'd love to avoid it. I hear you, brother. I hear you, sister. Let God transform our minds. See, we too are like this. And it gives us some insights as to maybe why James says, consider it all joy. Which one's worth more? Which one's more valuable? The gold that's been purified is. And there's no other way. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, when you go through the fire, knowing that the test of your faith produces steadfastness, consistency, and let this endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In the natural world, gold is very precious. Did you know that? Yes. We have debt-based currency, so we don't even have fiat-based. It used to be gold-based, but it's not. Now, I would imagine that we could obtain almost all the necessities in the natural world with some gold. But this doesn't carry into the spiritual realm. It's going to fade. See, faith in the spiritual realm is what gold is in the natural realm. What do I mean? Hmm. Okay, what do you mean? Faith is the mean by which we do all things of any significance in the kingdom of God. Faith is the means of exchange, acquiring. That's why it's so precious. Here's an example. You ever been to a grocery store and you fill up your cart and you're doing your thing and you're going through the store, you're loading it, it's, it's a full cart, and you unload it all, the cashier, and they start ringing it through. And you get to the end where they go, it costs this much, and you realize you don't have your wallet. And you don't have your Apple Pay. You have no means to get that food into your, into your car. There's no way to acquire it. Or you go up, 
And they bring it through, and you realize, and I remember this when I was growing up a lot, the credit card's declined. And you go into the debit card, and you realize your debit, you only have $50 in the account, and it's 100 bucks to get the food, so you have to get them to take stuff out. You can only take with the amount of money you have. See, so it is in the spiritual realm. There's an acquire of what God has done. Jesus would say it many times. He said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. The woman with the issue of blood says, blessed are you, woman, your faith has made you well. Jesus marveled at the faith of the, 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 Cornelia, or the uh, centurion in Matthew 8. He marveled at his faith. Jesus rebuked Peter for his lack of faith after walking on water. He said, will I find faith when I come back to the planet? Faith is a critical component here. Faith is gold. Faith needs to be refined. This is Hebrews 11.1. 1. You'll often hear me speak this uh, particular verse. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people of days of old earned a good retention. Reputation. You should be well acquainted. I would encourage you to be well acquainted with Hebrews chapter 11. And it goes through and it says, By faith, we understand the entire universe was formed by God's command. It was faith that Abel threw a more acceptable offering to God than Cain, than Cain did. And it goes through about 20 times. It'll say, By faith. By faith, the substance of things hoped for, the very evidence of things unseen. It's a means of exchange. How have you been saved? By grace through faith. Why do you think the devil's going after your faith so much? The substance of things hoped for. It's not just happy thoughts. It's not Tony Robbins. It's not trying to somehow conjure up. It's a substance of things hoped for. It is the means of exchange. He who comes to God must believe that he is. He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligent. Oh, you know, the idol, the peckish that don't seek him. You will not find him. The, the, the sort of the peckish spiritual people will not find Jesus. It's blessed the hunger and thirst. It's always the condition spiritually of where people are at to push through. It's important to note too that God uses fire to purge. And he uses fire to refine. He purges those things in your life that are of no value to him. And he refines those things in your life that are of extreme value. And sometimes we're trying to protect the stuff that he's wanting to purge. And get the fire off of the things he's trying to refine. And that's why we run from these things of trials. And we run and fear grips us and we're running from trials. And that's why you haven't got anywhere with God for years. Because you keep running from what he's doing, not the devil. He's a good father. Go and read the second half of Hebrews 11. He disciplines those he loves, like any good father does. Faith is a big deal to God. And it should be a big deal to us. We often say, Lord, what are you doing so I can get involved? To do what I want to do is, and not do what you want to do is pointless. So, Lord, what do you value, Jesus? I'm not saying it's the only thing. Faith. Just faith. Abraham's mentioned numerous times in Hebrews 11. Dude's 75 years old. 
And God comes to him and he believes God. He doesn't have the blood of Jesus. He doesn't have the new covenant. He's under old covenant. He's pre, obviously, Moses anyway. He's pre the law. But what is the nature of this relationship? Faith. Rahab, faith. Sarah, faith. It's the one thing that goes right through the Old Testament new. You believe what God says. And man, I, t- I can tell you, it's, it's an amazing thing when, when you start to see God moving and you're, you're, you're ecstatic. I mean, and then, and then things go sideways. You're like, well, well I, thought, I thought God was your provider. Excuse me? You know, I remember, like, for me, as you guys know, August 11th, I get a Zoom call. Zoom call is 60 seconds. And in 60 seconds, they tell me I don't have a contract. The contract's gone, but the mortgage is still there. But Nick, didn't you say that God was your provider? Very prayerful, sounded very nice. You know, the mouth, it's, and, and he is my priority, but, but it's time to be real. It's time to get real. The religion of the planet ain't going to save you. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Yes, you've got the doctrine, but it's the faith that saves. It's the faith that we put in. Do I know God, why God does everything he does? No, I have no idea. Do I know why some people die and some people live? No. Do I know why some people are poor and, and in the kingdom and rich in the kingdom? No. It's above my pay grade. But what I don't focus on what I don't know, I focus on what I do know. And there is much that I do know about my heavenly father who says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Just landing. I find this interesting. And let endurance have its perfect result. Steadfastness. I think it's like maturity. It's like grow up, dude. No diapers are cute, but not on a grown man kind of thing. Well, how many tantrums are we still throwing? So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What do you mean lacking in nothing? Because Jesus Christ has done everything. I went through Ephesians chapter 1. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. How do we partake in that? By faith. Not happy thoughts. And you begin to, when you're put in the fire, you start to go, oh, wow. Oof. Okay. This is hot. And you, there's, like I say, there's many things you don't know about what's going on in your, your life. So you run to that which you do know. And that is him. You avail your, believe me, you pray a lot more. No atheist in a foxhole, right? Heard that saying? I don't know. I'm old, so sometimes. It's weird as you age out that you think you're still current and cool, but you're not. The terminology, like, can I get a translator? It's like speaking in tongues. This is what James is going to be petitioning to you. This man is going to be murdered in about uh, 15 years. He doesn't mince words. He's going to come at you and go, what? I'm a first world Christian. There's no such thing as a first world Christian. There's a Christian and there's not a Christian. The mindset of the kingdom is predominant, as we talked about last week. I encourage you to take hold of James. I encourage you to listen to it. It's different when you listen to it. I obviously encourage you to read it. I encourage you to go to Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, just to listen to what Jesus had to say because he had to say a lot of stuff. There was a lot of things he had to say. Sorry, uh, this thing's driving me nuts. I know it's driving you nuts. Okay. Um, so I encourage you in this. 
Endurance, steadfastness, consistency, maturity. Let's embrace the suck at times. Let's not run from it. When things are going sideways tomorrow, potentially, this week, potentially, think for a second, Lord, what do you want me to do? What are you saying? When things come in your life that are in contradiction to the word of God, and that's how Satan attacks. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? He did it to Adam and Eve. He did it to Jesus in Matthew 4. He's always trying to counter the word of God. We must stand. Why not for once overcome? I think most of us are done cowering in the corner, scared, scared of the economy, scared of Trudeau, scared of whatever. It's time to stand. And the only way you're going to stand is by faith. Faith in what? Jesus Christ. Faith in the word. Faith in the, faith in the provisions. But those are all going to be challenged. Do not think opposition is, what's, what is, 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 from the, is, is why you should stop. Opposition can sometimes be the best thing in your life. The devil is not going to kick a dead horse. But you start going for Jesus. You, you kind of put a target on your back. You start trying to get your life right. You start going, okay, I'm going to start believing this. I'm done with religion. It's doing nothing anyway. There's nothing worse than religion. Knowing the truth but not able to live it. Presumption of faith, but all you have is doctrine. This is what James is. You say, "Uh uh-huh, at all the right places on the board, and somebody slapped you on the back and said, brother, you're saved. You will not find that in the New Testament. It's the life. Will he find faith when he comes back? Amen? Can we stand together, please? Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Paul said this, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Lord, we look to you to have your way in our lives. We look to you to shine through into this culture. We want to be people that stand, not cowards. We want to stand fast. We don't want the deluded kingdom message. We don't want the deluded Jesus. We want the authentic, the one untouched by human hands. The pure. We want that which is from above. We want the word implanted that's able to save our souls. We don't want the religion of men. Oh Lord, there's so much we don't understand. But that which we do, we put our faith in. And we trust you, Lord. Just lift you high. Lift you high. We exalt the name of the Lord. Lord, may we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Because you are with us. I pray a bit of righteous anger against the noise in your head. Not carnal. It says be angry and sin not. So there's a place. We would be people that stand. Get some metal. Lord, we know the world is not looking for a new definition of Christianity, but a new demonstration. We yield to you. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's coming. We don't know how to pay the rent. But we trust you, Lord. You are a good father. We embrace the trial. We embrace the suck. We embrace the fire with intrepidation, but with each, with each other arm in arm as brothers and sisters in the Lord, bearing each other up. We stand fast for that which is eternal. We say, Lord, have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord.